What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository. And for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, we have a very special episode, um, kind of a, a different type of format, where we are actually interviewing a founder who's already been on the podcast. Welcome, Nicholas, Nicholas Himmerson, co-founder of Clutch, who this is, last time you're on the podcast, it was like a year ago. How's it going? <laughs> Amazing, Matt. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it's going well, thankfully. Good. Great to hear. Um, you know, I since it's been such a long time since we chatted, and I know that you've been very busy in the last year, I think it'd be a cool opportunity to take this time to kind of figure out what have you been up to? Last time we talked, you know, tell me where were you a year ago? Where were you um, when we last spoke? And let's kind of walk through the journey, kind of what it led you to today. Yeah, perfect. Sure. So a year ago, a year and three months ago, I should say, we had just left Carvana. The company that had acquired our previous business obviously had a tremendous journey and, and experience staying with Caverna for three years, seeing all the growth happen. And then last summer, we decided to leave to start a new business. There was always that, that conviction that we had that auto loan rates are mispriced. 80% of the people who have an auto loan get at the dealership. And the dealership is incentivized to give you the rate that pays them the highest referral fee versus giving you the lowest rate. And so we felt like that's a problem we wanted to dedicate the next 10 years of our entrepreneurial journey to and said, okay, step one is, well, we need to talk to people. Best way to talk to people is to either do advertising or even better because it's for free. You, you write a lot of content, you explain to the world how it's upside down and you want to fix it. And then people will go to the website, read it, and you create a submission form where you have a chance to talk to people. And so we, we doubled down, created tons of content around auto refi. Now, now we have around 120,000 people who visit the website every month. And we, we guide them to a submission flow to apply for auto loan. And so thanks to that, that experience and this, this traffic, we were able to have many, many, many conversations and lots of requests to find homes for these loans that can be refinanced. And so we spent the first three, three to six months last year on creating the content, having the conversation. And then when we, we were looking for a home for these loans, credit unions started telling us, hey, why don't you help us become better, even better at what we're doing? Because we don't have any technology. And we, we had to close our branches when COVID happened and we're starting to open the branches again, but our members are not coming back. They want to interact with us through digital channels. And so that really was a big insight for us that there's a huge opportunity to help credit unions with software. And if you were to kind of go back to when you quit your jobs at Carvana, what, how different um, from what you ended up building for the next, you know, six months yep. later, eight months later, 
How close or different was it compared to what you thought you were going to build when you left Carvana? Yeah. Was there like any dissonance there? <laughs> Tons. I think last time he asked me, what's the one thing you want to tell your audience or my audience as a takeaway? And I said, well, the most important thing is to get going because you'll have a strong conviction. You go one direction very quickly. You'll run into insights that help you build the business. And so the most important thing was for us to get going. And so there was a world where we would have built a direct-to-consumer business. There was a world where we said, okay, we have all this traffic on the website. Let's find homes for these loans and monetize that somehow. But uh, through the conversation with Cranians, Cranians told us, no, no, actually, can you build software for us? And once we thought this through, we realized, A, we're much more aligned with what we want to do, lower people's rates. Because we, in between, we would have been, like as a middleman, we would have been a broker and then we would have had the same incentives, find a home for the loan that pays us a high fee versus finding the lowest rate. And so when credit unions mentioned to us, hey, help us with software, like that was really eye-opening. And had you told us a year ago, even now, had you told us a year ago that we'll be selling software to credit unions, I would have told you, that seems kind of crazy. And kind of one more question on the early days once once you left um, Carvana, you said that you were going to, or you, you kind of put your attention on content, put out lots of content to attract yeah. lots of people. I guess two questions there. Why content? Why not ads? Why not this, that? Like why content? And two, like how would you actually produce so much content? Did you write yeah. it all yourself? Did you like work with an agency or hire someone? Like how does that actually work? <laughs> good question, good question. To answer your first question, the marketing dollar approach would have worked. We could have just spent on Google AdWords. The problem is if you spend money on AdWords, you get traffic. The second you stop, traffic stops. And so while you have quick results, you have nothing that's sustainable. It just disappears. And we said, well, if we're going that direction anyway and we might rely on the traffic, we need to build traffic that's basically driving or that's generated through like free. People just show up. And so it took longer and it was painful because we had to write a lot of content and we had to figure out what are the searches that we want to rank for? Where is an opportunity to rank for it? Because there's other content out there that, that already ranks really high. And so what we found that, especially the long tail, and with that I mean the combination of refinance and specific lenders or refinance and specific year make models worked really well. Small traffic on each of these terms but it's easy to spin up a lot of pages for each of these terms. And so we, we had a mix of articles we read ourselves, somewhat programmatically generated content with lots of placeholders where we had a content team help us do the research and fill in the gaps. All right, so you, you got going, you got started, you learned a lot, you put up content, you've attracted lots of people to your site. So, so, so now kind of where are you? Or where, where, yeah. what, what happened after you did all of, all of that kind of on the journey from a year ago to now? Yeah, so we, we, we knocked on the door of these credit unions. Credit unions are nonprofit, don't pay taxes, and have the lowest cost of capital. Why they have the deposits and they were started to help the community. And so we, we, we love the mission and we understand the organization. Uh, we just need to get in touch with them. And since we had in our business prior to Carvana already worked with Cray Union, we kind of had a leg up and were able to contact a number of Cray Unions quickly and pick their, pick their brain. And then we shared with them how we think about the industry. And they told us, hey, why don't you build software for us? 80% of our members have a car, don't have a car loan with us. They have the car loan elsewhere. We want that debt back. They also have home equity lines of credit, personal loans, credit cards, mortgages, student loans. And we want all of that. We just, 
don't have an easy way for a member to submit these applications to us with a simple three, three or four clicks. We don't even have a good way to tell the member that we're doing it because every time we tell the member we want to recapture some of this debt you have elsewhere, the member will say, okay, do I have to go to the branch? I don't have any time. And so there was clearly a lack of a user experience layer, a loan application portal that is smart, figures out what, you debt, what debt you have elsewhere and uh, submit it on your behalf. And so we knew we could build that. And then we, we started actually in January working with our first pilot credit union, a small Southern California-based credit union who has a very progressive leader, um, ran some campaigns and overnight, not overnight is a little bit too, too ambitious, but over a month or two, grew the originated auto loan volume by 50% year over year. So 50% more volume compared to the same time the prior year. And so we thought the numbers were small because it's a small credit union, but the credit union told us, no, this is very significant for us. Imagine you work with a very big credit union that's like 50 times our size and there's multiple of those. And so when, when we got that traction and started talking to our angel investors who we hadn't, hadn't mentioned a lot before because we wanted to stay on the radar, um, we basically got some of the really, really big funds in Silicon Valley excited. And uh, while we were getting more traction with more credit unions, we ended up raising a big financing round, $16 million from Andreessen Horowitz, amongst others. And then CUNA Mutual, their venture group. CUNA stands for Credit Union National Association. So they know the organization really well. And then lastly, there is a fund, a venture fund, where all the investors are credit union themselves. And so that fund is called Circo. Like those three investors, including all our angel investors, ended up investing money into our company because of the traction we had had, the insight we had gained, and then the mission, which is somewhat non-consensus, hey, turn these credit unions into fintech companies and you build a really interesting business. Well, first of all, congrats on uh, raising the capital. Um, that means, I mean, you, you know, there's a lot more you can do, uh, bigger visions, bit, ma- bigger market to capture. So congrats. But but with that comes a, a level of responsibility of like, right now, like now we're in the big leagues, right? Like we're, we're, we're you know, you're going big. So I'm curious, you know, how, if you don't mind sharing, like how did your mindset change about the business? When you were, you know, just like from a year ago or just when you had a few angels to, to now that you have like, you have like one of the best firms in the world that is backing you. Does that change how you look at the business or does it just, you know, how, how does that affect kind of uh, your, your style if it does at all? It's, it's a really good question. So if you're somewhat bootstrapped, you need to do things that are short term, very rational. So you need to figure out how do I get revenue so I can continue, have a lifeline. Ideally, we have like we're profitable. Obviously, that's a long stretch. Uh, from an early stage company, but uh, you, you make decisions that make a ton of sense short term. Once you have capital, you can actually change your perspective a little bit. It's like, if I don't need to be profitable today, what's the North Star? Like, where can I aim for? What's the biggest business I can build? What's the business that has most impact on people that I can build? And in between, well, you just have to fund the operation, but then if the North Star is there and you're producing the growth, a lot of investors will share that vision and buy into that vision. And so for us, that meant we could stop being super short-term oriented and figure out if we, if we wanted to run one or the other experiment. Instead, we could just dual and triple track a lot of experiments, learn faster, work with more partners, and uh, could also uh, like offer 
pilots that, that weren't generating immediate revenue because we didn't need it. We, for us, the, the, the key metric, the North Star metric was learning. And so we, we were willing to give up some margin early on for learnings uh, that happens uh, very quickly and it worked out really well for us. And now we're actually at a spot where in, in a very weird set of circumstances, the, the fifth quarter of our company is profitable. Um, although we were aiming to be long-term rational, we grew the engineering team to close to 25 people. And uh, yeah, it's a combination of the two things that worked out really well for us. So it's been a, a crazy year. It sounds like a year of crazy growth, um, which is exciting. Um, is there anything that, that, you, that you've learned over the last year, um, not necessarily about customers, but about, like, about business building, about fundraising, about anything in that realm that you yeah. think would be valuable for, uh, for founders or listeners that listened to your episode a year ago and are listening yeah. to you again today? Good question. So let's let's address these two questions separately. What what did I learn about the business? Obviously, every every day I'm learning. And so I, as I said earlier, my piece of advice, my clever piece of advice last year was you just need to get going. And like I I obviously need to convince myself to do that too because it, it feels scary to jump into like a black hole hoping that you learn something. It just reconfirmed that this conviction is the right one. If you force yourself to be out there and do things that are uncomfortable and that don't seem to scale you will learn something. You'll get to insights that you didn't even think existed. Like you'll learn something that other people didn't even know about. Like it's all these dynamics when you put yourself out there and when you actually ask for, hey, do you want my business? You get true reactions from clients. And so I, I had a strong conviction that you just need to put yourself out there a year ago. And now I feel even stronger. Like I'm willing to do things that make seemingly not a lot of sense because there's always a lesson to be learned. So business side, fundraising side, fundraising is interesting because um, the, the venture capital market has heated up quite a bit and you have interesting, what they call crossover funds from, from the East Coast coming over who are a little bit quicker in due diligence. They're like, hey, I, I just need a big on companies that can own the category. And so then I'm a little bit less price sensitive than early stage investors who want ownership. And so you have like a little bit of a clash of two cultures in Silicon Valley right now where you have really good funds following their process that's worked for a long time. And then you have uh, funds from the East Coast who, who feel like, no, the, the pattern is software as a service, own the, invest in the leader of the category and it'll turn out very well. And so as a founder, you're in a good place because you, like you benefit from it. It doesn't mean you need to raise a ton of money doesn't mean that you can get away with not building a business, but fundraising has become a little more interesting. And then lastly, over Zoom, you're just much more efficient. I remember the times five, six years ago when I drove from San Francisco to Sand Hill Road and back to San Francisco and on a good day managed to have two investor meetings. Now I can do four or five in a day and, 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 and continue working from, from at home. And kind of from where you are here you know, today, um, is there any, anything that you need from the forward thinking founders community or anything else that you want to share in regards to your experience the last year? Um, and is there any, any, any ask that you have now that you've raised yeah. money? Like, are you hiring? Do you want more money? You know, feel Good free question. to kind of share anything else that you think is, uh, think is important to share. So yeah, number one, I obviously want to continue encouraging other people to go down the journey because it, it's been so rewarding for, for Chris, my co-founder and me, and it's so fun and just being in the trenches again feels like that's exactly what I want to do. And so if I had a, one ask for your community is put yourself out there and do it too. 
uh, that's somewhat selfless because on the flip side, yeah, we, we, we are growing the team. We, we did a, made a very conscious decision to run our whole engineering team in Latin America. So we don't have a single software engineer in the US instead we're building the organization somewhere else and, and that, that scales really nicely for us and works out very nicely for us. But now we obviously need to start adding people who help us manage our client relationships. Um, so if somebody has experience in the credit unit space or in FinTech and uh, wants to learn a bit more about what we're doing, would love to have these conversations. And then on the other side on products, when we talk to clients, try to get their feedback and articulate what we heard into product specs, always looking for support there too. Awesome. Well, I I think what you've done just in the year is has been awesome. Just seeing seeing the evolution of what you're building has been sweet. And I appreciate you coming back to Forward Thinking Founders to share what you've learned and share your progress. So is there anything else you want to share before we call it a day? No, hey, thanks for having me. Like this is so fun, and uh, I was I was excited to get in touch and then chat with you again. And uh, other than that, no. If, if people want to learn a little bit more about what we're doing, feel free to reach out. If there's a credit union leader out there that wants to better understand what we're doing, would love to have those conversations. We're called what's we we formed what's called a QSO, a credit union service organization, which means, in other words, you're committed to serve the credit union movement. And uh, so we, we're one of the really friendly, friendly fintechs that want to help you credit unions become fintech companies. And if, if somebody in the audience wants to learn more, I would, would love to have that conversation. And then just real quick, if someone does want to learn more, where can they yeah. find you? Do you have like a website or an email or social media, yeah. anything like that? Good question. So easiest way to connect with me personally is to go to LinkedIn, look for my first name, last name. I'm sure I'll put it in the show notes. And then the website of the business is with Clutch. The company is called Clutch. The website is withclutch.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast a second time. Yeah, I wish you the best of luck making it happen. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.